What's up, everybody? This is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to Magical Thinking. Our guest for this episode is Michael Boris. Now, you may not have heard of Michael, but he created this amazing game called 49 Boxes. And what is essentially a large, multifaceted puzzle is the most magical experience I've ever had. Michael is amazing. There aren't enough words to describe how wonderful he is. He's kind, intelligent, emanates and radiates passion, and he loves his work. And it's so, so clear. He's probably the most interesting person I've ever met. He's an alternate and augmented reality designer. He literally just builds crazy experiences as his work for 42 Entertainment. And some of you may actually be familiar with some of the work that he's done. If you remember the weird viral online slash offline campaign before The Dark Knight came out in 2008 called Why So Serious, it was that weird Joker scavenger hunt. That's something that Michael and his team at 42 Entertainment built, and we talk a little bit about it in the episode. Of course, we talk about 49 boxes most of the time, and we discuss how amazing it is, how magical it is. We talk about the inception of the game and where it's going to go. Michael brought along some props that we talk about as we look at from the game, and I took some pictures of them that you can find if you're a patron over at patreon.com slash magical thinking. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash magical thinking. As long as you're a patron, you can see the pictures that I took and you can sort of get an idea of how intricate and detailed this experience is. And if you're in and around the magic community, you may be playing 49 boxes sooner than you think. And if you get the opportunity, do not, do not pass it up. It is inspiring and amazing and magical and wonderful. And all the things that like really good human entertainment and interaction are supposed to be. We talk at length about it in the episode, and I'm sure you'll hear me gush all over Michael about how wonderful I think it is. Michael also recently became a member of the Magic Castle, and he provides his email in the episode. So if you're so inclined to ask him about his game, go ahead and give him a congratulations on becoming a member, because it's something he never thought he would do. Anyway, this one is amazing. It's one of my favorite episodes because Michael is so fascinating and wonderful and just kind of recently thrown into the magic community, but he definitely belongs. Follow us on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, by searching Art of Magic and searching Magical Thinking Podcast. Also join the Facebook group. I post things that I find inspirational. Other group members post things that they love. It's great. We have good conversation. And of course, please support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash magical thinking, becoming a patron, and you get access to exclusive content like these behind the scenes photos and more. It's awesome. You help out the show. I love you very much. Everything's great. Anyway, get into Michael's episode. Like I said, it's one of my favorites. You're going to love it too. Send me an email podcast at Art of Magic to let me know what you think and send Michael an email as well. Michael Boris, enjoy. And I'll tell you, I like eight ball more than nine, but I'll play nine. I'll play nine. I like it though. I like eight ball and my dad was a nine ball guy. I actually, when I was at uh, the convention this weekend... I met a guy who, he, do you know who Titanic Thompson is? Titanic Thompson. Mm-hmm. I know the name. He was the best proposition gambler ever. Okay. Because uh, he cheated at everything. And this guy used to be Titanic's driver. 
And his game was nine ball. So he would go into pool halls and hustle people at nine ball and make all these side bets and proposition bets while he was in there. And he'd make like 20 grand. Making more on the proposition probably than the game. Yeah. 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 It was crazy. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, But I play eight ball. My dad was a nine ball guy. Have you played league? I mean, have you tried to go and actually? No, I've never done. No? I've never done anything like that. What about you? Were you? I played. Uh, like I said. What are I, you trying to tell me, Michael? I'm. I'm just saying this. And in, in, in college, <laughs> I was president of the billiard club, uh-huh. and I, I had a, I had an office because of it at my at my college. That's cool. And I spent way too much time in the student center playing tournaments. And then there was this guy named Chris Raftis. Yeah. Who uh, he was he was known as the one arm bandit in Detroit. And he was a he was a hustler. Yeah. And at one point he was a you know champions. He was a champion in Detroit of, of snooker and eight ball and nine ball. And then when he got a handicap, he became like the handicap champion. And I was playing by myself, preparing for a tournament. And he came and he said, "Listen, you play like cornbread red a little bit when he was young." And he said, "I want to take you under my wing." He said, "I'm going to die soon." He said, it's exactly like that. Mm-hmm. And he said, "I want to give you a gift." And I, I worked with him for about two years. We went around Indiana and Ohio and uh, Michigan, and I thought I was hot until I realized there were people that are just insane how good they are. And so I kind of kept playing a little bit, uh, but I moved out to California. I sold all, whatever sticks I won in the tournaments at college that I, I, I had won. Because, uh, you know, you're just in your town mm-hmm. and your college, and it's not like you're going out to the world it's just a bigger world the world's big yeah and then i came to california and then focused on my career and then it was like i said a few years ago we finally took care of my basement and we bought the house specifically so i can put my pool table up that's been in storage since before i met gina that's so cool and uh so it's a man cave down there it's only an eight foot old housing but it but it did the trick and then i i started playing tournaments in la and i was doing okay and then i took the lessons from uh, Corey Harper, who was a touring pro. He was, okay. he, he was a touring pro. In fact, he'll say that there's a character in Pool Hall Junkies that is him. Anyway, so he's my, he's my mentor in pool. Yeah. Uh, late in life. And uh, for a while, I was number two in California for amateur, but it was UPA. It wasn't like BCA and UPA and Hustlers because Hustlers don't become ranked. Yeah. They choose not to do that. But um, I started playing in Vegas. <laughs> what? You're laughing just, at me. You're laughing at me. I, I would never have imagined Because I'm, yeah, so cool. I'm a quiet dude, and I'm kind of clean cut, and like you. You, know, yeah. you wouldn't expect you to do that. But, but it helped to... Uh, there was some extra money that I made in college from that, yeah. just like I'm yeah. sure you, you know, you could, yeah. you could do that. Yeah, and yeah. People would see my face and say, well, was, I was a kid. Yeah. Because I had... I mean, I'm 48 now, but when I was young, I looked really young, and I would purposely shave so close where I would look younger uh-huh. and wear my hair perfect so that it was just a little butt cut type thing, you know, you know, right, right down the middle. And uh, it, it, it actually worked. It really, really worked. So I waited tables and did the pool thing uh, to put myself through college. Yeah. Mostly it was waiting tables, though, to tell you the truth, because it wasn't all that much money. Like when your dad was around, probably <laughs> that was the time, right, to make yeah. money. That was the time to hustle. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the time in, you know, mid 80s yeah. <laughs> to do that. And then the late 80s. It was just dead, just like pool is dead now too. Mm-hmm. You know, it was huge at one point. There was a lot of money to be made, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, it just becomes this smarmy thing that people think about. Yeah, it becomes a, like a shady, slimy. Yeah, yeah. But I have a but I have a BCA Nationals in Vegas this year, 
uh, I've been training for a little bit, and I just qualified, and and so we're gonna play in July. I'm excited. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. so cool. Okay. I want to. But see I would you love play. to play. I would love to play. No, I would I, love to I see mean, you play. Well, actually, yeah. The the um, a stick that I I gave my my wife mm-hmm. because I, I had her play with me, uh, in one of our teams that we had is uh, is a balabushka. And if you're familiar with that, that's the one that's blowing my mind. That's the stick that Fast Eddie Felsen used. Oh wow! And the Hustler, yeah, that's the type that he used. Yeah, so it was kind of funny that for for our opponents, Uh say, oh, to my wife who doesn't play a lick, what kind of stick do you have? Uh, Balabushka. What? (laughs) Because you don't you don't give that to your wife to play. (laughs) You know. Yes, there you go. That's really yeah. So I'd like to see your stick one day. We should play for sure. Yeah, I would love to. Absolutely. My house or another place. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, and I love eight ball more than anything. You would you smoke me? I have no doubt. But I also my game really is table tennis. Is that true? Really? Yeah. I got. You still play? Uh, no. I I don't I don't have a paddle or I played tennis for uh like twelve fifteen years. Yeah. And you know what? You look like a tennis player. <laughs> you do. Okay. Thank you, you. I can see you with uh, the collar up on a on a polo or whatever. <laughs> I, can, I, can see, I can see. Yeah. That sort of that sort of that sort of thing yeah, at a club. White and high socks. And I'm, honest, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you in a suit. You fix up nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. But t- but table tennis that's that's a big deal. Too. Yeah. I, that was something that started when I was really young. My grandmother uh, got a, a just a ping pong table for her house and. I would go over there during the summer and just that's all we would do is we would play and she yeah. stayed exactly the same and I just kept getting better and better and better and better. How do you get better just playing by yourself though? Did you have a, a wall that you were playing against? Or? I would play against the wall and she would play against me too and okay. it got to the point where I was just being mean to her yeah. <laughs> as you do. You're making them run back and forth. Exactly. And, back and, forth. and then I uh, And then I went to a camp to learn HTML coding that was a three week long camp. And I don't remember any of the HTML that I learned, yeah. but there was, uh, it was at a college and there was a ping pong table in the, uh, the, just the common area. Yeah. And myself and then like all the Asian kids that were at the camp. You know what? <laughs> I don't want to mention the Asian thing, but, but it makes sense though. Yeah. Because the, the best games I've ever had, and I'm not saying I'm the great ping pong, but it's always, mm-hmm. The Asian kids, it's just, and it's so, come on, it's so stereotypical that you're yeah. great, but they are. Yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about the Asian people. I'm saying that everyone that I played with was Asian yeah. and they were all really good. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my father was, uh, other my dad, you clearly love your dad too. Yeah. Uh, he was, oh, uh, uh, Cleveland champ of ping pong. That was that was his thing. And so growing up, I, my my thing is sort of pool. His mm-hmm. thing was, was ping pong. And I remember there was a guy Vic that he worked with at, at Chrysler who really uh, ran his mouth an awful lot. Did they call him Crown? They call him Crown. Crown Vic. No, they didn't, and they probably should. So <laughs> that's a different company. But go ahead. Yes. So he ran his mouth about how great he is at ping pong. And my my dad's best friend Dick McLean. Mm-hmm. Um, knew that my dad was something special with yeah. that, you know? And so he got on the side of Vic, and I'm using finger quotes, because he was setting Vic up. And he said, all right, tell Roman that uh, you can beat him as long as you get to choose the paddle that Roman plays. That's my dad's name. Uh, and, and so I said, all right. Well, my dad had been practicing with me and this Dick McLean guy, and he had taken this regular paddle and just made it into just this tiny little octagon 
this tiny little octagon, but he'd been practicing with it for a long, long, long time. And of course, Vic shows up at the house. I remember this, and all the Chrysler folk came by. It was this big deal. <laughs> and my dad beat the snot out of him with that little guy that he had been practicing with. It was so good. Oh, I got shivers, you know, oh, wow. talking about it. Yeah, I, I, I love that. We, we had a basement in Detroit with the pool table and the ping pong table on, in, downstairs. It was the greatest. I mean, what better things for kids yeah. to have that they don't play with now mm-hmm. than those two games? Because nobody has the, 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 the wherewithal or the, uh, the, the patience anymore to mm-hmm. play those two things. And it's sad, I think. My nephews and nieces don't play, and they should. We try, and they just lose interest. It's back to the iPad. But I love it. And I'd love to play ping pong with you and see what you could do on that, too. Yeah, I would I, love I'd to. It'd be fun. It'd be really, really fun. All That's right. amazing. So you, when, you were, when you were young, you just had these... Because those are mind games as much as they are skill games. It's a mental game, right? Yeah. I, I think like just as much as it is mental for golf, pool for sure. Mm-hmm. It's it's in your head. Like poker is the same way too, but pool. I I think that the people that I've been playing with for years are better than me. But there's this: you get in the zone and you just do the thing, mm-hmm. and you don't flop. You know, you don't. It's easier to uh, it's easier to beat somebody when you're when you're loose. Mm-hmm. I think. And people just freeze up, I think. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It is a mental game, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's the same thing for magic, too. That's what people... That's why people aren't good, is because they... I mean, it's not the only reason people aren't good. But one of the reasons that people aren't good when they're starting out is that they're just so nervous. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter. You know, you just take a deep breath and you do the thing, like you said. The, like, the more relaxed you are, the easier everything is. Like... That's 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 what Vernon was talking about when he said be natural. So okay, I don't know how into magic you are. From when I walked in here, I assumed that you think that I've been doing this my whole life. And though I've been reading uh-huh. my whole life, and uh-huh. I've been in, in a mirror yeah. or, or doing things for my friends and family, mm-hmm. it's not until just a couple of years ago when mm-hmm. I met Bob and Erica okay. that I've been exposed to your world. I'm okay. just dipping my toe into your world right now. So. I know who Vernon is, okay. and I've read some Vernon. Okay. But whatever I know, it's beca- the important stuff. It's because of people like you that's told me, mm-hmm. or or people that's actually said, "Read this book." Mm-hmm. So please tell me what Vernon says about being natural. <laughs> well, when, when I when I interpret his "be natural," it means just be relaxed with your props. It doesn't mean do the thing that non magicians do. It doesn't mean hold the cards and deal the cards the way that lay people do. It means do it naturally for yourself. If you're a magician, obviously you're going to have, and you're a card magician, obviously you're going to have a deck of cards in your hand most of your life. It would be idiotic to handle them the way that lay people do. It just, that would be unnatural. So when he says be natural, he means be loose, be effortless, effortlessly effective, you know? I love that. And and you're right. It applies to probably every sport, period. Yeah. 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 I'm sure you've growing up mm-hmm. where you grew up. It was baseball and it was it was football and it yeah it just carries over to everything and yeah. I think it carries over to my work too. Mm-hmm. Even with design, if you're tense, you're not going to design anything. You're not going to come up with any good ideas. Yeah. So how did you? So how did you get into design? I mean, because you were playing pool and ping pong and oh. you were like, because was your dad into that kind of stuff? When? My dad was amazing, uh-huh. amazingly like. Athletic, yeah. And he was a he was a he was a musician, uh-huh. and people liked him. He had a great personality. And then I'm going to bring it down a little bit. Uh, when I was in ninth grade, he had an operation on his brain, and then he became paralyzed. And I think that 
my, I kind of want to cry a little bit, but I, I think my entire life has been spent trying to impress him because he impressed me so much. And there's, a, there's a, and that, that really is what it comes down to. And so whatever it is, I, I don't, I haven't mastered anything, I don't think, but whatever it is that I become good at, the first person I want to see is my dad and probably my mom too, you know, again, there goes the shivers, but that, that's really what it comes down to. And so for, for design growing up, I would draw, mm-hmm. I would draw an awful lot. And again, you're only, when I was in my high school, I thought I was pretty darn good. <laughs> and then when I go to college, I realize no, there's, there's just this world, a world of talent out there that's, that makes me think I better be good at a couple things, mm-hmm. if not a whole mess of things, because people are going to outdo me with that. That's where, that's where it comes. And so I was a, an illustrator to start with. And then uh, I was like, well, this guy's better than me. And this is a lesson, by the way. Uh, I was a writer. And then I was like, well, no, I'm going to be a sculptor in college. And finally, I was just like, I'm just going to be a graphic designer. And it sort of takes all that stuff together mm-hmm. and let people be better than me. And it's okay. But at the same time, I'm going to play pool and do these other things. And then when I graduated, everything there in Detroit was automotive, clearly, or waiting tables, because I was doing that for so long. And I, that's when I said, just like you, when I had the opportunity to move out here to California, mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't, it, somebody said, hey, my, my, my son needs a roommate. I was almost gone, you know, then. Yeah. I was like, yes, I'm doing this. And my parents were like, are you crazy? You've got Chrysler here. We're a Chrysler family. You know, pretty much, I mean, you can get a mm-hmm. job doing that. Why would you go there? You're going to be coming back. You know, you know how many people fail and come back? That wasn't the plan. And then everything just clicked from there, you know? I came with my fine art, you know, it was actually a fine arts degree with a, with a major, you know, majoring in the uh, graphic design, you know? And then the internet was just starting to boom in 96, and it was just perfect timing for me to kind of cruise in to being an animator at Disney when I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for Flash and the internet. Mm-hmm. That's, really what, that's really what it came, came to. And then being surrounded by people more talented than me mm-hmm. in design, teaching me. And some of those people I still work with today, which is great. That was a long way to go for that answer, but that, that, that's really what it is. It was just sort of, it's like you said, you're not really planning things, but uh, just life just happens and, and here I am mm-hmm. with you. There you go. Uh, and and I'll, I'll say this, if it wasn't for the design bringing me out here, I wouldn't have gone to the Magic Castle in the first, first place in 96. And when I went there, I had no money or anything, and it was right when I first moved out here, and a, a friend of mine had, had loaned me uh, a giant suit, <laughs> and I was swimming in that thing. But it didn't matter, because when I went in there, I, I just sort of knew that this is, this is the place that's going to sort of dictate what style my house is going to be whenever I do get one. Mm-hmm. It's going to dictate uh, sort of what my interests are forever, but I'll never be, this is what I was thinking, a Magic Castle magician. I'll never be performing with these guys, but I just love being here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was because of Bob Self and Erica Larson that all that changed because they gave me the opportunity without even knowing me to build something, you know, for the Beyond Brooklyn show, which I think you know about at the, uh, at the Mission Inn. Uh, and then it's just sort of given me chance after chance of building things for audiences that I had no business being in front of. Uh, and then because of those guys, I was like, well, if I'm doing this, I might as well be a magician at the Magic Castle. And then so I, I, I don't know whether you know this, but I, I had my audition uh, no. maybe about a month and a half ago. Wow. And it actually went pretty well. 
and uh, I'm 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 a magician at the Magic Castle. Yeah, congratulations! Yes. Thank That's you. Yeah. I'm, and, and it's one of the few things, like one of ten things in my life, that I can say I'm so proud of because of what it was in '96 when I first saw it and said this is unattainable. And then now it's 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 such a point of pride. Mm-hmm. It's it's the greatest thing. And my my orientation is actually uh, this month coming up in June. Wow. I haven't even been back since I did the orientation, <laughs> even though I could. But it's just been so much other stuff going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 sort of still glowing over that thing. Yeah, that's what a, amazing. What a hair raising experience to be in front of those. You know, I mean, they're elders. You know, and it's every archetype of magician that's there, from the the card expert and the coin expert. Tell me about the, it. I, I'm the not historian. a member. I've not done. The oh, audition. I thought you. Were, no. I, would have, I just assumed. No. no. Because no. because your dexterity is bananas. <laughs> Why are you not a member? I don't understand. I haven't auditioned. I haven't because uh, okay. I didn't live here for so long. Okay. Uh, and I was coming up from. I lived in San Diego for two years, and I was coming up. And uh, Dave, my boss. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, he lives a stone's throw from the castle. So when I would drive up here, I would stay with him, yeah. and then just walk. And he's a lifetime member, so he he would just uh, come with me. Yeah, and and then I could just get in. So, yeah. Okay, because you're with him, mm-hmm. do you get to go in that crazy library and uh, no. root around in there? No. <laughs> Even though I'm friends with the the librarian, okay. I, I also assume. respect that rule. Yeah, that's another thing. Is like I, yeah. you know, I'm published in that library. My name is in a book <laughs> in that library, yeah. and I'm still, you know, I'll go in and sit down at the table, but I won't go into the area. So when is this going to happen? When? I'm going to audition next month. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. Well, I, I can honestly say that from those people and meeting you guys and like Brett Loudermilk and, and, and Love it. Scott Neary and, and all those guys, mm-hmm. my life has changed for the better because I'm in this weird underground of right? knowledge and people who are helpful <laughs> and they do the weird things. And yeah. it's just, and when I go, I, when I go back home, mm-hmm. I can't even really talk about it because who would, uh, I name these names and like, what do you mean? You know, yeah. these, they don't know the names. Mm-hmm. I could say, well, this guy is the greatest sword swallower and he's the greatest pancake juggler or whatever the heck, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, whatever, you know? Yeah. But it's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's such a, we're right in the thick of this amazing area. Yeah. And I feel like it's an amazing time, too. This growth in, in magic right now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Los Angeles is this incredible, I like, Everyone that I talk to is that isn't in LA doing what we're doing. When they found out I was moving to LA, they're like, "Oh, you're gonna hate it. Traffic's gonna be awful. Like it's dirty. You know, it's so superficial." But they don't know like how goofy and weird and abstract and avant-garde like everybody that we know is, and how like fulfilling it is to see so many people and be engaged with so many people that are just. Doing art, their passion, art. right? We are surrounded by passion yeah. in every in every way, mm-hmm. for sure. Everyone is a doer, and everyone's a creator. It seems like, but but not like a uh, I'm gonna scratch your eyes out because I want to compete with you, mm-hmm. creator. It's I want to involve you. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of Bob Self as the connector that he is to to make these amazing things happen for anybody who's willing to drive out to Riverside. It's it's incredible. It's not, it's, you know, I, I love my, my family and friends back home, you know, in Michigan, but it doesn't, it doesn't exist, you know, anywhere. I don't even know of any other city that it would, it could exist. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like a lot, a, a lot of us too have, it's like, it's almost like a, a, a dual persona thing happening too, because 
a lot of times, for, for me, I mean, there, my passion isn't really going to make my living. It's not going to. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I do it because I love it so much, you know, this extra thing that I do. But, uh, but, it, but it fuels my work. And my work fuels uh, my passion. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's great. And I, I love people like you that care enough uh, to care. Yeah. Yeah. Talking. My, Go ahead. That? No, no, please. No, please. <laughs> I was just going to thank you for, uh, for having me here anyway, because this is a, this is a big deal. And it's great to see somebody who actually lives, lives what they love. Yeah. And I, and I see that. I mean, as soon as I walked in here, I can see that you love exactly what it is that you're doing. And it's, it's inspiring. Oh, wow. Thank that's you impor- so That's much. important. That's, that's really yeah. important, I think. Well, I'm, I'm honored that you would say that. And I yeah. appreciate it so much. Yeah. Uh, I, is, is your dad still living? He is still living. And there's been some, some close calls uh, with him. And I... I uh, I love him so much, and just he—he he is sort of magical in that he's paralyzed, like I said, uh-huh. but he has a driver's license. He's paralyzed, but he carves uh, trails through woods. Remember, he's paralyzed on one side. Right now, he has a broken leg and a broken arm, but he'll still mow eight acres of land. <laughs> he's driven. Yeah. And, and wonderful. You know, still very, very wonderful. And my mom's wonderful, too, for, you know, taking care of him and, you know. Sure. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I, I love my parents. So I'm lucky to have them alive. You know, I know not a lot, a lot of people uh, my age have that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's great. And I, I go to see them every year. How do they feel about your decision now? <laughs> they, they're over the moon. They're over the moon. And they, and they, love, um, and they love saying that every time I see them. It's, it's, it's sort of a recap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. You know, it's like, I've, I've forgotten. It's like, do you remember when you were driving out with your, your LeBaron, you know, Chrysler LeBaron convertible with all your junk piled up like the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, and, you know, and then look at you. And it's always like to look at you and you're following your dreams and you're this, and, you know, because before I was just sort of like this weird, weird dude who was going nowhere. But yeah. I, I feel like uh, they feel blessed because I'm blessed and I am certainly blessed. Yeah. 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 And you've met my wife, Gina. I have not. Oh. And I'm blessed with her because she puts up with a lot of, uh, you know, because it's not <laughs> people just people have work. to people yeah. that that oh my gosh are with people like us. They have to put up with a lot. I'm thankful that that she's creative, and so she understands the process mm-hmm. of of whatever whims that, that that I might have. Of you know, I might not be seen for three days because I'll be in the, the the garage, you know, building something, and then work work is sort of a creative endeavor too. And and she she's great with that too. I I, I can't complain about anything really. Especially right now. Now is I'm in a, I'm in this weird, beautiful zone. I yeah. Think. Well, that's awesome. How did that happen? I, I don't know because I've done horrible things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unmentionable. Yeah, <laughs> I've, done, I've done horrible things. No, well, it's just I, I think it's uh, I don't know I, I don't know what it is, but but uh, I, I I think that people are enjoying. Uh, are enjoying what it is that we're building right now, mm-hmm. and I, I I can't wait to build whatever this is the next the next thing that we do. Yeah. You know? So, uh, do we talk? You have a list of uh, questions there, you know. Yeah, it's but, just uh, stuff. Um, <laughs> but eventually, uh, it'd be good to talk about the what I have. I want to share something with you. I would love to, if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay? Do you want to do it now? Yeah. If you don't. Uh, yeah, please. Okay. 
It's, uh, right. yeah. So so you've experienced one version of this. Yeah. This thing, right? Yes. And can I can I bring up just really quickly how this how this came to be? Yeah, let's start there. Let's start at the inception okay. of the thing. Okay. And so so Bob Self was at my house mm -hmm. and I can't even remember whether I invited him or whether a friend just happened to invite him over and we were having a very small version of uh, the 49 Boxes Project, but it wasn't even called that. It was just a party that I was having people come over and I was calling it a puzzle party at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was 50 people jammed into a house that, didn't, that couldn't really hold 50 people. <laughs> you know, and it was hot and muggy and, and there were 10 boxes on the table. And the idea was that four people would share a box and inside there was like a, a, a little story mm -hmm. and a puzzle to solve. That's mm -hmm. all that it was. And it was sort of a success. And we all saved Christmas by the end, you know, together. <laughs> and, and at the end, Bob stayed behind. He was the last person that left to leave with his wife. And he said, you know, this was one of the more interesting po or, uh, parties I've ever been to. And he said, I, I run events. He said, I'm not just a book publisher, but one day we're going to do something together. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to. And he left, mm -hmm. you know. And two years later, I had this idea of using uh, backwards engineering uh, interesting things from the uh, the Magic Castle in an interesting way, like I do the 49 boxes. And I mm -hmm. called him and I said, I've got this idea where people learn about magic history, real history. Uh, but he said, you, you can't do that because you're not a magician. Mm -hmm. You're not a member. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't even know the Larsons. And, mm -hmm. and, and he said, but I have this party that we're putting on. It's called Beyond Brookledge, at, at the Mission Inn at Riverside. And I want you to be my guest. You and your wife can, can uh, drive out. And darn it, it was the best three days I'd ever spent because it's that vaudevillian 24-7 show where you don't know what you're getting, you know, every every minute of the day. Yeah. For the listeners that don't know what Beyond Brookledge is, it's uh, this huge Spanish-style hotel inn thing. And <laughs> literally anything could happen. Anything you could imagine is possibly happening at one point or another that weekend. And it's huge and, and it's uh, eclectic and historical and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And any... Uh, uh, president worth their salt <laughs> has has stayed there. Yeah. So many famous people have stayed there. Mm -hmm. um, and so after that event, yep. you know, and here, you know, it was it was I had just met Zabrecki for the first time. I just met all these people for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Pendragon was there, and uh, Valentine, Steve Valentine, mm -hmm. and uh, he nudged me and said, "Hey, so do you want to do you want to be part of this next year? Do you want to build something?" And inside, I was thinking, what am I going to do to compete with these dudes or to even add to this? But I just said, yes, I want to be part of this because it was incredible. Yeah. And on the way home, uh, Gina was playing one, a song that she had just uh, finished with. And she said, well, what, what are you going to do? And I said, whatever it is, it's going to be around this song. And that's where the 49 Boxes was, was developed. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and just to explain what this is, it's a, it's a story-driven uh, social experience where between 50 and 100 people can get together. Everybody gets a box. They get a little bit of story before they can all open the boxes at one time. Inside the boxes are unique items uh, from the 1920s to contemporary. You might get a, a hand crank for an old phonograph record uh, player and a note that informs you that you've got to find the record, you've got to find the needles, and you've got to find that phonograph player. And there's, you know, three other people who are in your thread that you just naturally gravitate together. And then you're, you're holding this thing from the 1920s and wondering whether or not it's real, whether or not it's really Floyd G. Thayer giving you instructions as to how to use this book that you have. <laughs> but darn it, uh, who knows what's real and what's not? Because really it's half lies, but that's sort of the fun. Yeah. You know? 
um, I'm going to show you one of the one of the new things, and we can describe it if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about. So when I so I I played 49 boxes at Brookledge, um, I don't know, like a year ago maybe, and it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. And holy shit. <laughs> Uh, I, the way that I describe it to people is, is like, it's like an escape room that a hundred people are doing at once and all the clues are moving around. That's, that's pretty kind good. Of, that's, that's very, very good. And Bob Self describes it better than anybody I've ever heard. And he, he'll say that it's an experience that doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't move around you. It moves because of you. And Ooh. you will, that's pretty good, right? It is good. And, and you will use uh, artifacts in unimaginable ways, which I think is pretty, which is pretty uh, true there. Yeah. And so the, uh, you know, and there is actually some magic involved in it. And there's some uh, old stuff, old technologies and new technologies. And by the way, not, I don't want to give away too much, but because this is here, you already get the idea that these, though they look like they're from the 20s, yeah. They were just made. They were just made. Yeah, yeah, just for this. And there's actually a puzzle involved in that. And these are glass slides of, uh, of magic posters from the 20s and 30s that, uh, that any magician that I ever show to, they, they, they salivate over them because these really don't exist. And I, and <laughs> these I are so cool. And I can't wait to show uh, Mike Caveney, actually, because uh, he's, I think he's going to get a, a, a kick out of it. I mean, having the greatest magic poster collection of, of all time. Yeah. That guy. Oh, these are awesome. Um, and here's a... Here's a you know, I'm sorry that um, we can't actually see these right now. Yeah. But this is kind of a neat thing, too. So what, what, uh, what Elliot's looking at right now is a, is a, uh, a Bakelite 78 record that has the voice of uh, Floyd G. Thayer on it uh, that offers puzzle clues to how to use, uh, you know, special artifacts that people find in the experience so that when you do get to that phonograph record you're spinning that thing getting it to speed and darn it it's him speaking from beyond and it's pretty uh what yeah you will get you will get shivers uh looking oh at my god so it um because uh my partner in this right now my creative partner his name is alex Liu. i've worked with him for 20 years we worked at disney together and warner and a few other places quite a few other places uh -huh. when it was time to do this third rev because it's always a different story a different set of puzzles different set of artifacts mm -hmm. It was clear that, that last year and this year I needed somebody to partner up with me, and he, he's been the greatest as a graphic designer in, in building this stuff, so I have to give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And, and what we tried to do this year, which we didn't do uh, in the other years, is, is make things, uh, make you wonder constantly if, you know, what's real and what isn't. That looks like a, is this not a real magic book? This is an actual, like, old school, old Thayer magic book, but, okay. but we're adding pages in areas that you you wouldn't know because the you know the fonts are matched the the even how it's written is matched and, and it just goes on and on and so there are you know dozens of books that offer clues to players as to how to interact with these things and there's no way there really is no way to know what is real and what isn't yeah uh, and uh, I, I'm super proud of, of that particular thing because it just it just has this different bit of polish than even the last one that you saw. Uh, you guys, if you have like an old copy of uh, Tarbell sitting around, open it up to a page where there's a couple illustrations, and that's what this looks like. And it looks, I mean, you inserted pages into a book, and it looks so good. <laughs> 
How? Oh my God! I just I don't. Well, know. We're, we're graphic designers, right? Yeah, no, I know, but I mean, it just. I wasn't gonna say how did you do it because, I mean, I get it. You guys are great at what you do. I just I'm trying to imagine because I've played the game, so I haven't played this version of it, but I understand how it works, sort of, and I don't just the the amount of work is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, that it's you bananas. have to do to like. Put all this. How do you, okay? You talked about reverse engineering. Or when you're coming up with the storyline, are you just like, what's the most difficult thing that's still reasonable that we can make somebody do? <laughs> oh, that's interesting that you said that. Yeah. If this okay, so just so you know, a lot of this is based off of uh, something called the MIT Puzzle Hunt. Have okay. you heard of this before? No, I haven't. So clearly, if it has if it has MIT in the front of it, you know it's going to be crazy difficult. Yeah. And that is a puzzle experience that lasts an entire weekend. You know, it might take over seventy two hours that your team of forty people will get together to solve a meta story uh, puzzle. Yeah. Right. That is awesome. But these guys who are doing the building these puzzles and these guys that are solving them. They're on a different mental plane yeah. than most people, right? Mm -hmm. But really what we want to do is we want to take the fun of the solving and make you feel good about it and have a story that's, that makes sense, yeah. but compress that, all that fun, into an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we don't want to make things so darn hard. We want them to solve it, but yet feel smart when mm -hmm. they do. Yeah. You know? And so there's, like this, there's this balance that goes there because it's not hard to make a difficult puzzle. Yeah. It's difficult to make a puzzle that has a mechanic that people haven't seen before, mm -hmm. but that feels good when you've completed it. They get the reward. Yeah. 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 And then also there's this moment, like, you, like you're looking here and you're like, well, what's real and what's not? That's, that's the thing. Am I really? Because a lot of it is you're really touching his stuff. See, this one isn't backwards engineered. Mm -hmm. This is built from scratch, this part but it's built into something that exists. Yeah. Whereas we'll take a real book and literally just use the text that's there in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. that's, that's how we would backwards engineer that, which mm -hmm. is different. And at the same time, we'll, we'll now use real tech, er, like modern technologies for, uh, to tie together graphic detail. Like this eyeball that you're seeing is, yeah. is everywhere. So who knows what's real, what's, what, what is old and what's not, you know? Yeah. It's pretty sharp, right? This is cool. Yeah. Oh um, my gosh. And Alex, Alex did that that particular design. It is a beautiful. beautiful so this design. I'm holding a, a laser cut block of. What? what? Yeah, like a cedar. Cedar. <laughs> cedar. Yeah. This is so cool. Um, I mean, I, it doesn't really matter that I'm giving too much away with this, but but there is going to be an apparition in this blank area uh -huh. that you will you will get when you do you know X Y and Z yeah. in the experience. I didn't really give anything away, but, uh, that but it's, was, it's, it's very exciting. Though. That was one of the coolest parts of the version that I played was um, you. There's there's a there one of the boxes of the forty nine boxes has a little peephole in it, and you have to go and find these other things and put the thing together to unlock the box to put something into the peephole, where then a secret code that is not visible normally appears in the right end. It's just like, yeah, it was a, it's it was amazing. A, it was a portable Pepper's ghost. Yeah. That's what was going on with that. And, and that thing actually played into the, uh, the audition at the Magic Castle. Oh, yeah? Because Steinmeier was in, he was one of the, the, the folks <laughs> on the dais, right? And, and so... It was great because they were, one of the questions is, you know, well, what, what kind of library do you have and who was your influence and what, what's the last book you read? And it, it literally was Hiding the Elephant by Steinmeier. Uh -huh. And, and it, it, all of you who read that, you know, there's, he talks so much about the Pepper's Ghost. 
And it was this perfect segue into, and eh, check this out, and come up here and look at this thing. And it was like, it was perfect. It couldn't have been scripted better yeah. for me to, uh, to appear like uh, I'm, I'm a magician. <laughs> so that was a good thing. That was, a, that was a very, very good thing, for sure. For sure. Anyway, I just wanted to show you this stuff. No, and, these and are I'm sorry amazing. that yeah. you know, this doesn't come through on... Uh, and the would image. it be okay if we took pictures of this oh, stuff I, I, later? I, I, would, I would love for you to do that. Okay, yeah. And, and these are used in a very... I'm not going to tell you what, what they are, but sure. But this is... There are, there are moments in this experience that didn't exist in the last one that's pretty much like a showstopper experience. And this was Jordan Gold's idea. Yeah. Because the way that it used to be is that four or five people worked together on their thing. It might have been a really cool experience, but no one else saw it. Yeah. What Jordan said was, what, what if you make things where... People have to stop what they're doing because they're looking at this wacky thing that's happening, and it's big. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it is oh, these things are okay. being projected, yeah. and you're forced to go, what is going on? And that is a piece of history there, yeah. and I've never seen that mm -hmm. type of thing. But then there's a cool interaction that's going on with that. Mm -hmm. And so there are four or five elements that are that are going on there that made if you know randy pitchford mm -hmm. he was running around like a kid in a candy <laughs> store where it wasn't just his thing that he was working on but he was he was facetiming his wife back in austin and facetiming um uh kaufman in florida uh -huh. and it was it was awesome yeah it was just an awesome thing i i love i especially love to see magicians uh experience this because they they're the people that that get the shivers which is the the important thing i think yeah yeah i the social aspect of this is really, it's really interesting to me. And it's, that's one of the, my favorite parts of the, the experience that I had playing it is that when you introduced it, you were like, look, you guys are going to have to get comfortable with each other and you're going to have to come up here and talk into this microphone and talk to the whole room at once. Yeah. And it's so interesting to watch people that aren't comfortable doing it. Like, I have a problem. I'm a magician. I don't mind being in front of people. But like other people that were there who were not into that, watching them evolve in an hour and a half from being timid and shy and right. then being so excited about the puzzle that you can't keep them away from the microphone. You're you absolutely know? right. Yeah, there, there are. It's like um, it's, there are seven stages that they go in through. That they go through in the beginning, like you said, it's just silence where they're looking at each other at their artifacts. They don't know what to do, like you're saying. And then mm -hmm. it's the quiet time, and then it's the first person that they see success in. Yeah. When they're communicating, all of a sudden it's, it's like it's like they're at the New York Stock Exchange and they're yelling and screaming and it's a cacophony. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and then there then there's a moment of no one solving anything, but then when the first person solves that, and by the way, there's a main box. Mm. And that's important to yeah. for them to know. That's right. So this whole thing mm. comes down to everyone solving for this main box, which has 18 locks on it. And they're crazy looking locks. They're locks from all around the world. Some padlocks, some, some locks that people have never seen before, some combination locks. And whenever somebody does have the honor to release one of those locks, they ring this bell and that energizes the whole room because there is movement mm -hmm. in this thing, whether they were having a hard time or not. On Progress their, on is being made by the whole. Yeah. And the, and the great thing too is that once you're, you have solved that and you've gotten that lock off, you can go and help another group who's struggling. And it's just this... It just seems like a, a, a perfect delivery system for story and social experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And oh, and the other thing too is that unlike a room escape where it's possible to fail, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I hate failing. <laughs> no, we want, every, we want every single time for it to have a, a nice closure at the end. It's almost mm -hmm. like you went to a movie and it's because you all solved this together, you own it. Everyone has a role and it's important and you leave 
high-fiving rather than, well, better luck next time or I, we have to do this again. No, <laughs> I, I would, I, the feeling that they have when they leave is something that should be taken with them and cherished rather than feeling bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's really, really important. Th- this has been the most um, uh, rewarding project and experience ever in my life. The first one that was made was for the Beyond Brookledge group. And when, when Bob asked me to do that, I just assumed, and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to take these 11 months that I have. This is all I'm going to do. I'm going to work and I'm going to do this. That's it. Because this is going to be the last chance I have with these people. They're going to see it. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't. I don't know. I don't know. And, but that's it. We're going to go on vacation immediately after. I owe you a vacation for me being, you know, sort of not a husband during that time, you know? And so immediately after the, the show, we went on vacation. We went to uh, Texas, or no, uh, Tennessee. And we're driving in Tennessee, uh, and I have some sweet tea or something. And, and the phone rings, and it's Erica and Bob. Hey, that uh, went pretty good. What do you think? Uh, and Gina was smiling, and I'm smiling. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for letting me do that. And they said, do you want to do it next year? And Gina gave me that, that international sign, you know, cutting your throat. No, do not do that. And of course I said, yes, because it was the greatest experience ever. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was a one-off. I really made it for a one-off. Whereas now the beauty is that it evolves every time we do it. And I think it gets better because we learn. And, 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 and you could, you could uh, back me on this, maybe. Doing this show is like walking a tightrope because there's so much going on at one time, there's no way to control everything. Yeah. There's no way because yeah. you've got, you know, umpteen people with their struggles that they're doing. And sure, I can go around shepherding, but something's going to go wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And it's okay because we're, we're sort of picking up the pieces and we're helping and, and other people are helping. And it's, it's, it's different every single time. And I love it. And, and, and there have been people who've done this show three times that have a completely different experience every time because there's so much to see mm-hmm. and so much to do. Yeah. It's, it, like I said, it's been the most rewarding uh, project. And if it wasn't for those other jobs I've had, it couldn't, it couldn't have been possible. Yeah. And can I give a shout out to somebody who really Please. helped? Yeah. So there are a few things, especially in this particular show. Do you remember the Oracle, the, the, the screen that was white? I didn't get to see it, but I remember it. So it's a, it's a, it's a big chest that people unlock and it has this white glow to it. And I, I don't think I'm, you've got to see it, you know, sort of to believe it. Mm-hmm. It's just a white glow. And there are certain artifacts that when you bring to it, you look through it and it's an old uh, spyglass from an opera from the 1930s. And you're seeing full motion color video through it that is a clue to somewhere in this location that you're at that has a box just for you that has a key that helps you to unlock the lock, right? And uh, that doesn't just happen. You know, it's a concept, but it's my friend John Edgar Park, who actually, uh, he's an ex-imagineer and he's got a show, uh, uh, he's got his own Adafruit show. He's a genius with electronics, and I, if it wasn't for him, that stuff wouldn't uh, be possible. Because it's, like, it's not like we're paying people like they're working a job. They're doing it because it's a passion themselves. And mm-hmm. it's a, yeah, he's, he's the greatest. And I, I look forward to working with him forever because he's such a, a great asset. John Edgar Park, there you go. Yeah, I would have felt horrible if this went by without no, uh, giving, of course, him, giving him a shout for yeah. sure. I mean, it's such an amazing... It completely and utterly blows my mind that 
this even exists, honestly. It really is the most amazing thing I think a person can experience. Like, <laughs> I really, wow. I realize, wow. I'm serious, like, it, there's no, I don't, I don't, oh God, I can't put it into words. It's really so powerful and moving for so many different reasons. One, that human, mere mortals were able to make this thing. Uh, not because it's hard. Again, like we said, it's because anyone can do it. A bunch of people have to, but like anyone can do it. And it's it builds this community and it's intellectual and interesting. And, and this alternate reality thing is formed. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating and inspiring and uh, entertaining and just... It's everything that a show is supposed to be, and you all get to experience it together. You're not having your own singular experience next to somebody else. You can't have the experience without all these. And it people. happens because of you. Yeah, for sure. Well, that was really well put. No, it wasn't. It was so rambling. No, no, no. <laughs> but if I if I took all that and put it, you know, like in, in text, I'd like to use that as a as a quote. That's very nice. Please. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, I I I love it. It's I it really is. It's one of my favorite things to tell people about, and it's one of the most magical experiences I've had because it is so. You know, you like as okay. So you're the creator, yeah. As someone who did the show, you know, you're sitting in a room, and you know, you walk up and you get your box, and you go, I don't know what this box is, but it looks old, and it looks, you know, you smell it and try and figure out what's inside of it, and then you all open it simultaneously, and it's this. It's literally this moment of enlightenment for everyone, uh, and then immediate consternation because you're like, I don't know what this is. What, what, what is it? Is an ice pick? What do I do with an ice pick? Yeah. And then there's little clues, and you don't know what's important. You get all this different stuff, and you go, I don't know what any of this is. And there's so few opportunities. Maybe this is what I was trying to get to. There's so few opportunities nowadays to have a really genuine analog experience. That's interesting. This is analog, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And everything really is important mm -hmm. in these boxes. Yeah. You're, like you said, you're wondering how. Yeah, how exactly. Yeah. And, and so when, you, when you're doing the thing, whatever the thing is in your box, and you're meeting these people that you will probably have never spoken to, and you know, uh, you're building this connection of intellectual stimulation amongst people. I mean, like when you're sharing ideas and you're jamming with somebody, that's like a really deep, powerful, yeah. emotional bond that you make. And so you're making this with strangers immediately because you're all on the same page. You're all doing the same thing. It's just, I don't know. It's phenomenal. It's really, it's, it's real magic. Can I tell you something that, that uh, touched me more than, more than people just coming to the show is that people will approach me afterwards mm -hmm. and say, you know, I mean, this is kind of sad, but my, my, my mother has Alzheimer's or, or my dad just died and I was left X mm -hmm. and I didn't really know what to do with it. And I was going to sell it on eBay or I was going to give it to my nephew. And they're like, well, it's this old thing from the twenties or thirties. I, I know what to do with it now. I'm going to give it to you for your next show. And the interesting wow. thing is that the second oh year has, you know, I would say 10% of the stuff has been gifted from people who saw the show mm -hmm. the first time. Um, one guy gave me over 20 locks. Wow. From, I mean, 100, 150-year-old locks. It was crazy. I mean, it was, it was many pounds that arrived in my home. And, and I used them again this, this show, and he came to this last Beyond Brookledge, and it was the greatest thing. 
for both of us, I think, for him to see his old things that he had collected with his wife for years and years. Yeah. And, uh, and for me to be able to present that back to him. You're giving new life to these things that people yeah. thought. It makes me so happy. And that, that's another thing I've got to give credit to my parents for is that they sort of, it's because of them that I collect. Mm-hmm. I'm a collectaholic. And, but they also collect now because of this show for me. So wow. when I go back home, because they go to, they do, they go to <laughs> estate sales, whatever. They, well, I should say, sorry, mom and dad, but most of it's crap. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I get to call out the things that, that I say, there's interactivity here. There's magic in this. And people haven't used it in this way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm FedExing things in front of me or stuffing my bags as, as tight as I can with stuff. I'm, I'm lucky that people now are just, they just know now to, to drop off their cool stuff at my doorstep yeah. and there it, there it sits yeah very nice one person's actually offered uh, uh, Pauline has offered storage in her attic because wow. I'm, I'm out yeah. <laughs> I'm completely out of storage at my house <laughs> and I never thought that would be possible <laughs> as, as much storage as I had but you your know, wife's like I don't need any more ivory backed hairbrushes <laughs> oh it's, you know it's, it's, it's funny that you say that because the other day she her car uh, uh, died yeah. and she's like Mike do you know where my uh uh, my jumper cables are. I was like, well, sure. You have that one box downstairs. <laughs> I know exactly where your stuff is because it's you know, 900 other boxes that are mine. I know exactly where her one box is. Yeah. I have a problem, but wow. it's wonderful. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and I think it, it brings joy to me and it brings joy to everybody that comes to take a look at it, which is, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. What is it? I mean, where did, where did your eye come from to, to be able to see something and go, that's potential? I'll bet you it, it was. Uh, I'll bet you it was Alex, my my the creative partner. I told you about Alex Liu. Because I when I when I worked at when I started working at Disney, mm-hmm. I think I told you I didn't really belong there, but they were hiring anybody. It was the beginning of the internet and all. But he was already like a director level, but he was eighteen and didn't have a high school diploma. Like he, he just there's something special about that dude. There yeah. really is something special. Uh, and going to his house. And how he and his wife had decorated, and the magic castle. Mm-hmm. You know that. That's I think. Those are the two places I think. It's I mean you can sort of see that in there, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Of I mean there's there's no question yeah. about what that is. And then yeah. the more I hang out with folks like you who are surrounded with this stuff, it sort of it just gets in your blood, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's no there's no getting enough of it either, at all. So you you can feel it hum. Maybe that's what oh, it is, is you can feel the thing home. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And in the beginning of any project, mm-hmm. whether it's work or whatever, if we, if we, like, if we're, if we're, we do marketing, uh, 42 Entertainment, that's what, that's what we do. And a lot yeah, of, tell people, if you, we'll, we'll finish this and then tell yeah. people about But, but I'll, whether, and I'll, I'll go back to that, but whatever the product is, whatever mm-hmm. the movie is that we're doing the marketing for, whatever the, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you have to sort of live with that thing for a while in order to let the ideas settle. So yeah. at first it's a pile of stuff <laughs> and it's just a pile of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you think, well, that goes with that and that goes with that and that goes with that and you make a pile. Mm-hmm. And the piles change, but eventually you've got the perfect piles. You don't know how they work together, but eventually you realize there's a trap door in there. There's a screw that I can you know, turn into something else. That, you know, that, that's really how, how, how that works. Mm-hmm. But, but as far as the job goes, uh, same dude, Alex, I work with at, at 42, and we've done marketing campaigns for movies and cars and uh, pretty much anything you can name, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've done for every company. 
But the thing that we're really famous for is what we did for The Dark Knight, which was uh, a campaign called Why So Serious. That had 11 million players. And it's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most players in an ARG. So you guys created the whole online slash real world scavenger hunt that was the Joker's whole... So you're familiar with that, yes. Of course everybody is. Yeah. That was you guys. Holy shit. That's yeah. amazing. And, um, and Alex led the charge for that. Yeah, along with Susan Bonds. Uh, and uh, that, was a, that was an amazing, amazing learning project. It was yeah. great. And we were just sort of... I feel like it was like um, we, were, we were building a railroad track right in front of us as it was happening uh-huh. for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And people will think, well, people always think, well, you must have had this big, 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 big idea the whole way. No, we just had a couple of tent poles. You know, yeah. that's sort of two or three main things. We're going to focus on Harvey Dent. We're going to focus on Batman. We're going to focus on the Joker. Mm-hmm. But we're building that track as we went, you know. And we had, we had an amazing team. Uh, with Steve Peters and Benham Carbassi. And, uh, it, it, crazy, talented people at the right place at the right time doing what we loved. It was, yeah. it was the best. It was the absolute best. So you knew what that was. You know what that yeah. was. It's, it's incredible. Well, I, I, what was... How, how did you guys experience the world experiencing this thing as it happened how do we experience it I yeah mean, uh, i mean what is that like when when all of a sudden it's the best eight million people ten million people are it, it, playing it, this game you made it, it also makes you uh not care so much about your sleep uh-huh. or your meals honestly or how your body is changing because you're not treating yourself as well as you should mm-hmm. I, I mean, really, there's no time to exercise, so we all gain tons of weight, you know, during that time. And but that, I guess that that tells you how successful that project was, because we all look like hell. <laughs> yeah, it was complete hell. Yeah. And then when we were done, even you know the players were like, "Well, what's next?" And we were sort of saying the same thing too, because we, I mean, it seems like we we would like to do it forever. Mm-hmm. Where's that, you know, that next that next thing? And and it's hard to recreate that because it was it was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. That thing. Yeah, and you'd be surprised how many clients, and I, you know, I, you'd be surprised how many clients want that exact experience mm-hmm. for whatever it is that they're doing, but it's not right for everything. Yeah. You know, whatever the marketing is, it needs to sit on that table, mm-hmm. and it needs to become what it's supposed to become. You need to just live in it for a while, and it can't be the same thing. Uh, you know, that you was a special let the thing. thing be the thing it wants to be. Yeah, yeah, and I don't even know whether that can happen again, because that was even before the iPhone, Yeah. you know, and now we're... We, we don't, we're so connected socially, you know, socially now, it, it, it probably wouldn't seem as special anymore mm-hmm. as, it, as it was. But it, it was special. Yeah. Yeah. This has been an interesting 12 years being with these guys. And it, and it keeps changing. The job keeps changing because it can't be Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. You just have to, now it's, you know, our own product or it's yeah. other types of experiences. When you have so much more technology to leverage, too. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you'd be surprised that that's more difficult. Yeah. Because, you know, you got VR, you got AR, you got... It's, it's, it's almost too much. There's it's a hard chaos to focus. of It's hard to focus. Yeah. When, when we were at Disney, it was, are we going to focus on Flash, the, the new animation tool? Or are we going to focus on Director? Well, let's, let's, let's choose one. Let's, let's throw Director away. Well, two years later, Director's not a thing. Thank God we chose Flash. Mm-hmm. But there were only two things on the menu. Whereas now there's so many things on the menu, it's very very difficult. And then you also have companies. You know, it shouldn't be all about 42. I might get. Any, anyway, you, you have companies 
that try to see what you did as a roadmap mm-hmm. and then recreate, try to recreate what you did mm-hmm. and fail. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, that doesn't work. That mm-hmm. never worked. And that's bad because the road that you've been paving all of a sudden has a roadblock because of somebody else, not because of the good work that, that you're doing. That's interesting. Yeah. It's the truth, though. I think, yeah. I think, I think it's got to be like that in magic, too. Yeah. It's got to be like that in everything. I, yeah, I'm, I would be, I, well, I mean, I guess it probably is that way. I'm trying to think of an example, but there's, then there's guys that just continue to do the thing anyway and do it well and go yes. run over the roadblock. Yeah. But, but, but let's just say uh, you've got, uh, you've got Brett Loudermilk who's insane with the swords, mm-hmm. right? But then you've got somebody else mm-hmm. doing the same thing, mm-hmm. but f- not with his pizzazz and his yeah. energy, then all of a sudden it sort of lessens what mm-hmm. Brett's doing. That, I think that's a good example oh, well, of that. Okay, well, it, that, yes, I see exactly what you're saying. That is a good example. For magic as a whole, that's, that's what we are experiencing, is because regular, I, I, sorry, listeners, not regular people, non-magicians don't see many magicians, yeah. the chances are they're going to see a bad magician. And yeah. so then they go on all like magic. And there's a lot of overlap and tricks for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and not everybody invents their own thing, whatever it is that they're doing. Not mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, that, that, that's tough. Yeah. For the people who are truly wonderful card mechanics or, yeah, it's, or wonderful speakers. Yeah. It's sad, actually. It really is sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, the many are ruining it for the few. <laughs> Unfortunately, but that's what this is for. That's that's what this that's what this show is doing. It's fixing yeah. magic very slowly. No, I I, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I think, I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I just I can't. There's just you're you're the most interesting person I've ever met. I feel like. Oh come on, that's so nice. That's that's so nice of you. You know, when when I first met you, you were doing that ridiculous thing with the cards. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You were. I even went through those videos. I can't do what you're doing. I know what you did. I don't know what you did. I know exactly how it's done. I don't know what you did. And my, my initial thing to you was, I must interview this man. Right? Because he has superpowers. Yeah. And so I was thinking the same thing about you as well. So thank you for that. That's very nice. Oh, please. It's very, very nice. Yeah. You're so kind. This is just, we're just buttering each other's brain. No, but it's not. But it's not. <laughs> that's the truth, though. It's, yeah. it's the absolute truth. No, I feel the same yeah. way. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Um, here, let's get back to them. All right. Not get back to, but also okay. this is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, so these are projected on the wall. I'm talking about the slides again. Listeners. Yeah, and there's something that's done with them uh, collectively that, believe it or not, Elliot helps people to unlock a lock. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah, this is amazing. And that's sort of the uh, criteria and anything that I'll, I'll pick up from now on. Yeah. Is that. How can that thing, you know, if I'm going to get that in my house now, work if it's with not, the other thing. how can it work with something else? Yeah. How can it unlock a lock? Or is it a box with a trap door? Or how can I put a trap door? Or yeah. it's all about that. It's interesting because like the process that you are describing sounds like uh, the, the process for solving a problem. You know, it's like you, you familiarize yourself with all the information, all the details, and then you just put it out of your mind and you let it just kind of simmer up subconsciously and then yeah. the idea will come to you but you're creating problems 
Oh, that's that's true, isn't it? <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. I'm creating roadblocks. Yeah. With very very weird maps to get yeah. through. You've got answers our, now. You have to create the problem. You're you're absolutely right. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have to I have to give credit to uh, John Lovick. He yep. was my sponsor for uh, for the Magic Castle because um, he was sort of hanging out after. Uh, we were at the the Brooklyn Theater, mm-hmm. hanging out in that auxiliary room. You know, like the it's it's the room with the card table yeah. with all the posters everywhere. The, play, the whole place is magic. Yeah, the whole place. Yeah. And I had some of my boxes out, and he was just sitting there, sort of shaking his head. Like I, I know he was shaking. Like, why would anybody do this? You know, because like, <laughs> I get that asked, asked that a lot. Like, why would anybody build all this? You know. Yeah. And I and I asked him. I said, so what do I have to learn? You know, what books do I have to you know learn uh, from? Who should I get lessons from in order to become a Magic Castle member? Uh-huh. And he said, I think that from what you've created here, you just go in there and you show them that stuff and maybe you show them one or two things and uh, and you could do that. So I gave credit to Bob and Irene or uh, Erica before, but uh, for sure, it's it's John. I, I, I love him and, 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 and John Armstrong was a huge, huge uh, influence on me too because mm-hmm. I had taken lessons from him and just great guys. Helpful. It's another example of being helpful and not like being at the top of the well, mm-hmm. you know, stomping on people's hands as they try to climb up. Yeah, just the greatest. It's it's unlike any other. Like it's a true great, truly great brotherhood mm-hmm. of helpful people. And I can't wait to help somebody. You know, in that in that same way. Well, you I certainly inspired people. No, I mean, no, it's very serious. Nice. It's very I mean, nice. th- but truly, I mean, like the experience that you're creating for people. I you know. Well, this is something that I, I've talked a little bit about on the show before, but like I, I don't like magic nerds who are just magic nerds. I'm, I'm a magic nerd, but I have a bunch of really nice bottles of whiskey. That's one of my passions. Like Every other book that isn't about magic is about fashion and style. It's like I yeah. have these other facets that I'm super into yeah. that are outside of my magic, but that do influence my magic. And... Unfortunately, a lot of magicians, magic is their their thing, and th- that's their only thing. And so I, you know, the, what that's you're creating is you're giving somebody a much more three dimensional experience, not just of magic with the current set, but also uh, history, whether it's true or not, but like historical context and appreciation for older, rare, beautiful things like that. It's yeah. like you're getting people an experience that's outside of their uh i'm blanking on the word well it's a it's a comfort zone it's familiarity it's Mm -hmm. i mean because everybody can relate to something in that show Mm because either they owned it or their parents owned it or their grand or they heard about the plunger that you know that you know was used for dynamite you Mm -hmm. know and to be able to this is something in the new show there is a plunger a wily coyote style where it's actually (laughs) Legit. Yeah. This thing is a dynamo and it's shooting out electricity that's powering certain things in the show in ways that you wouldn't, you know, believe. But it's just the touching of that thing that's magical. Yeah. And that people walk away from going, I can't believe I just did that thing. So I I, I agree with you that that, that's inspiring in in that way for sure. But in a way, it's sort of a cheat, isn't it? Because it's not me. I'm not the dynamo. You know, all I did was presented it. That's true. And that people are using it, but it's a curated, it's a curated experience, though. Yeah, and, I, and you're I, the I, conduit for it. I, I mean, think it wouldn't exist that, without. I you. think I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. I, I should say this too that um, this was designed initially uh, 
I wanted to have Rob Zarecki do it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have him host it. And Bob Self, in the end, uh, when he was in my basement, it was a couple of weeks before the Beyond Brooklyn, he said, well, you built it, you do it. <laughs> and because I never wanted to be in front of people. I, I might have mentioned that to you before. Yeah. And I'm so glad he, he made me do that. Yeah. Because it, 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 it's, such, it's, it's so not a comfort zone for me. Yeah. But it was a great gift that he sort of forced that. Yeah, that issue on me. It was great. I think it great. would be it would be an amazing thing with Sabrecki at the helm, but it wouldn't have the same uh, genuine. I mean, like you, you see, watching you present it, it's so clear that this is the fire behind your eyes when you're up there. I mean, like you just you exude this this pride for this thing uh, that you know it, it fires people up for. It's very nice for you to say that. There's, there's a line in the beginning where, where I'll say, um, when we first saw these boxes, we had no idea what to make of them. And we certainly didn't know that they all fit together like an intricate puzzle. But believe me, they do. And the truth is, the, the truth is, we didn't know yeah. that they all fit together. <laughs> when we first saw them, we had no idea what to make of them. And so it's so much easier to say the truth up there, and it is the truth, mm-hmm. than to, uh, you know, there are plenty of lies in this, but uh, it, makes it, it makes it much more personal. Yeah, yeah, and this happens constantly uh, when I'm talking about it. So it's great. It's That's great so that you cool. noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Well, shivers. I, by the way, it's shivers on the air. Uh, you know that relates to magic really well. I think because obviously we can go surface level and say you know everything that you're doing is deception. You're lying to your audience the whole time. Yeah, okay, whatever. That's fine. But like, you want to be honest. You want to communicate genuinely when you're performing magic. And it doesn't matter if the patter isn't true. It matters if the essence of it is true. It matters if you believe what it's supposed to communicate. Because you're not... It's not a one-to-one thing with with art, just in general. It's like you... It's not meant to be taken literally. And so when you're communicating something, having that underlying emotion having that passion shine through is so important and that's what makes i that's one of the reasons that this is so powerful is because you are up there that's very nice thank you yeah. thank you very much so I, I don't know what to say about that you know no just so, it's that's, so great yeah, yeah this is a dream it's kind of a dream how how many new methods how much how much are you actually creating for the show well the the first show it was the 11 months, mm-hmm. and, and I told Gina, I said, there will be no silver bullets. My, my friend Jason Sidek would say this when we're designing. They don't save your silver bullets. And I love that, because when you're done designing, you think you've spent everything. When it's time for that next project, you just make new silver bullets. And so that first year, I really thought, that's it. When Simon Cornell saw the show, he said, you know, a lot of people, they'll do their show, and they'll, they'll use a few elements. And he said, you... you you use them all, mm-hmm. you know? And I really thought that was it. I'm done. And so I would say there were 40 elements. Mm-hmm. You, your question was how many mm-hmm. in that first show. And then I had another 11 months to do the next one with, with Alex. And then there were, I think, 50, you know, different things. And it was much more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was harder. It was a much harder show to, to do. And I needed more people in the field working it. You know, there was somebody in the booth you know, with the remotes and lights happening at the right time. And, and like, uh, that was about 50. And this one, I would say there's 60. It got, it's, it's ramping up. Mm-hmm. But I, I, don't, I don't know that if we did it again, 
that it would ramp up again. Because I think that we're at the point where it's almost too much now. Mm -hmm. When I saw the breadth of the stuff that was out there, there were, there were visual cues from the last show. It was like the crate in the middle, if you remember. And there's the yeah. locked box. Mm -hmm. That's where your focus is. Right now, there are three focus points. Mm. And I think that may be too much, maybe. You know? And so it doesn't need to get bigger. It just needs to get slicker, mm -hmm. I think, if we did it again. So it's about 60, the answer. So 60 plus 50 plus 40. I don't know whether those are exact numbers, but I'm really proud of a lot of things. Like well, I'm not going to do this over this radio thing, but this is something that's interesting, I think, that I want to share with you after. Okay. And I call it a pylock because it was a backwards-engineered puzzle to unlock this. And it was a, a, a manu, manu, they manufactured this lock, and it had the lock combination that is it. Uh -huh. But I think when I share with you how it gets unlocked by the players, I think you're going to get excited because you're going to think that I did it myself, but it wasn't. But, but the point is I'm trying to now use, uh, rather than buy a lock that I can program, mm -hmm. figure out a way for the players to magically unlock that store-bought thing from either the 1920s or, or now. <laughs> it's different. It's a different challenge, mm -hmm. but I think it makes it feel more legit. Yeah. And I would love for them to try to find, oh, I can just buy that. And they're not going to be able to buy that because it doesn't exist in the way that they think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, so I hope that answered your question. That was a long way to go for that, but, but it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot of new stuff. And, and the great thing is that there are new technologies all the time. Mm -hmm. And I can't keep up with it. It's like it's like uh, I'm watching Netflix. I can't keep up with all that content that's happening. <laughs> yeah. There's some other, you know, there's some great genius out there inventing, you know, last year it was polarized lenses. This year it's some magical spray that allows us not to be able to see through it unless I have a special device. That's magic. Obfuscate how that is delivered. And all of a sudden, I get to take credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. That's, that's, yeah, that's funny. I was going to say that's the equivalent of magicians going, yeah, but I do it with a blue deck. But it's not. <laughs> but that's just what I thought. Yeah, of, yeah. You know? I, think it's, I think it's very much like that. Yeah. What, what I, I think um, that, that, that quote of why, why would somebody do this? Mm -hmm. It makes me feel that for a little bit anyway, I'm safe from having someone else nick this show. Yeah. Completely. Oh, I don't think anybody could. Because yeah, go they ahead. need the past, mm -hmm. you know, learning from whatever it was that I was doing and the interest as a kid of building stuff for friends and collecting puzzle books and being interested in Martin Gardner and whatever else. Plus this, like, um, I'm just going to go dive into this and, and not be social for a year and just do this thing. There's this great line or this great scene in Gattaca, if you remember, where the guy and his brother, they're swimming out into the ocean swimming and swimming and this kid would always get beaten by his brother about how far they can go because he always had to turn back and at this point he had been training and training and he and they're, they're out very very far and the brother's normally beating him but he says how in the world are you still doing this because i want to turn back you win you win and he's like oh i just left no energy to go back and it's so great again it's so great and so i feel that if i'm pulling all-nighters i'm gonna forget about those all-nighters next week and so just push it and just go crazy. And I don't think anybody else is going to do that just yet. Yeah. Without a budget or without a team, you yeah. know, dedicated to do that. Yeah. Who's going to do that? Those know. are outside uh, forces. Yes. And you have it internally. You have this internal push. I think so. And, and great partners that, that, are, that share the passion, yeah. you know, and who are like me or love me enough. I'll, I'll say this. Like Alex, he loves me enough that he wants to see it happen because I want to see it happen. Mm. That's, a, that's, a, that's powerful. Having the support, and how did and, you get that support? I think working with him for twenty years. 
you know, but, but I'll tell you when we first met, it was, it was like that everywhere we were. And, and we have a shorthand where yeah, we work that, together. That on seems to stuff. be, seems to be kind of the thing though. Right. It's like these people meet you and they immediately want to help you contribute. They want to be part of whatever it is you're doing. You've got this weird it's magnetism. So, it's so nice for you to say that. And I wish my wife was here cause she would, she would laugh and say, um, Exactly what you just said. It's not a magnetism that she would say. She would say, I've never met somebody where people want to help so much and what it is they were doing. I think that they see that I love it and they want to be part of it. Just this weekend, we were uh, coming off of a brunch that we were, a friend of ours had. And on the way back home, it was random. Gina said, yeah, I used to work here, around here. I want to take you to a house. And we went by this house and it was this dude who had a really, really sharp sense of uh, decorating his house outside. But it looked like a mine. It had ore carts and crazy crystals and all this stuff. But it was, it was wacky. And we, we stopped and he was outside tinkering with something. And we got to talking with the guy. Uh, his name was uh, Dave Griffith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he had an old man like in a rocker by him talking about how clever this guy is. And he was showing me all the stuff he has. And, uh, but the stuff that he has reminds me of what this is. And Gina's like, this is why I took you here. You got to see this. And he, and he goes, I got some old boxes and locks if you want to go see it. And I was like, and Gina goes, just tell him. <laughs> you know, and so I explained. I said, I got this little thing. It's that little. And I said, I got this thing. And so he took me and I, I walked out of there with a new working, well, new, old ass working lock <laughs> yeah. for the next show. And he's going to be visiting on Sunday, my, my place. And it's, it's just what you're saying. Or I think it's, if you, I think if you have the bravery to talk to people, maybe that's the key. Because if I didn't talk to people about what the project is or what myself or, you know, when I am social, mm-hmm. be hyper-social. And maybe that's, that's why that happens like that. So I appreciate that you, you said that. Because yeah. Jordan is someone I met in that way where if I didn't, if I wasn't hyper-social with him, I wouldn't have that great relationship. And Jordan Gold is great, yeah. right? And he helped a lot with this, this last show as well with great suggestions. And man, he's a good magician. He is, yeah. Just so he, intru- he introduced us. And he's, because I remember right. we were there. And that was my first time to Brooklyn. And he's like, Michael's here. You got to meet Michael. Michael's the best. That's so, that's so cool. And to I was like, who's that? <laughs> and he's like, just, you'll see. You know, I, I, knowing him for mm-hmm. the first month or so, I didn't know whether he liked me because he's kind of. He, he's kind of, he's a bit stoic. He really yeah. is. Yeah. He really is. He, he, and, and as far as being impressed, he's either the stoic, like you're saying, or it's the, his mouth is a gauge. He's just he's like, like, oh, oh! yeah. <laughs> and so boy, he's like hundred miles an hour or, or, or nothing with that. But, mm-hmm. but, but raw talent mm-hmm. for what it is. He, and, and he's another one, violinist, Yeah. you know, great designer, mm-hmm. you know, interesting fashion sense, like a good fashion sense, you know, and, and the, the magic. Mm-hmm. And what and and uh, he created his own curriculum yeah. at the college. The one dude in the college that does what he does—it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, it, the more people that I talk to uh, that I admire, they all seem to sort of be this kind of outlier personality where they kind of just decide to do this own thing, and it's their own thing, and it's kind of spur of the moment, and it just works out for them, and it just. For sure. It snowballs and tumbles into this amazing thing. And when they look back, they go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But then, you know, at the time, they're like, I don't know what's going to happen. But it's yeah. just, you know. You're just ready for anything. You're like, if you're like mm-hmm. a reed and you've got friends like Randy Pitchford, who's flying you to his house in Austin 
for the Peacock. Have you been to the Peacock Theater? I haven't, no. I haven't been there either, and I want to go so bad, and we're supposed to go. But that's just another... There's another magical guy. Yeah. You know? He's got magical roots. He's connected with... Owns Genie now, mm-hmm. just because he should. Yeah. Uh, and he and he I don't I don't believe that he's doing it for financial gain. I think he's doing it because he loves to he make loves it, yeah. Beautiful experiences for people. The whole thing. The whole thing. Flying people out like Brett and all the I, man. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get there. For sure. We're, we're, we're lucky. Yeah. We're in this <laughs> we're in this weird zone right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what it is? What's that? It's that you wanna give people experiences is that you want to share experiences you want to make experiences that is actually part of my title of my job yeah yeah experience designer and if i if i can uh i i i I might get in trouble for this but i i think that who i have to thank for that is elan lee you know elan Mm -hmm. he was there that night yeah i met you yeah um i think he was the first quote unquote experience designer i ever met because he was at 42 when i first started Mm -hmm. working there and yeah, we worked together a lot on a lot of neat things with Alex and Jenny Rodriguez and Susan Bonds. And again, that crew, it's like, that was the magic to me. I'm going to get in trouble for this. That was a magical crew. Why would you get in trouble for that? Because, because we still exist and we're still putting out good work. Really, really good oh, work. I see Very good design, mm-hmm. you know? But it's undeniable that that was a special, it was just a special time. Yeah, yeah. People were trusting. I think people were more trusting then too. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. I don't understand what this is, but go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. And there's no red tape. Now there's an awful lot of. Well, let's see that design again. Let's, yeah. Now let us put some red tapey. Well, that goes back to the the chaos of opportunity. Is that clients now feel like they're more educated, so they feel like they have more say. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm gonna <laughs> tell you, they're oh so young. <laughs> <laughs> If you won't say it, I will. Clients can go suck it. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I'll say it so you don't have to. That's true. But you, you, you know, you're still beholden to them, and they, they hold the purse strings, and of they're the pope. Yeah. Yep. You know, you got to make the pope happy. The pope knows what the pope likes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 this has gone well. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm having yeah. a good time. Yeah, and I want to tell you that this is actually the first uh, interview I've ever had. Really? Because yeah, and this is kind of an important thing. Like working for the, the the big studios for so long. Yeah. You are a nameless cog, and 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 that's really it. Uh, and this is about the first project that we've done where the name actually gets recognition, uh-huh. as well as the project. You know, there there might be times when you go on stage and you 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 accept something. Sure. But no one knows. Oh, you are. No one cares. And then, yeah. and, then, and then it's, well, what have you done for me lately? It's not do the same thing again mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Whereas this, is, uh, this has been a much uh, better experience. Uh, like I was saying, to be able to redo it and do it better. And do it better and refine and refine. It's been great. That's, that's one, of the, one of the really lovely things about the magic community is that you're expected to refine. Is that it's never just a one-off thing. It's like, you know, it's a different... You know, Derek just took his show to New York. And yeah. I don't want to speak for Derek, but it could have been very easy for him to just keep it the same. Yeah. But he knows that he wants to do a thing well, and his team is amazing. And they clocked all that information and went, okay, this is what we need to change. Here's what we need to get rid of. Here's what we need to yeah. add. Boom. New York refined it. 
I'm hearing that it's better than it was in LA. You know, it's so like, you haven't seen you haven't seen the new one. I haven't I'd seen it see in the new New York. One. I would love to see it too. Um, when I saw the show, um, I really didn't know what to expect. But I actually went there. I with, read your boing boing. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you already know. Well, no, please tell the listeners. Um, so yeah, I do write for boing boing. Oh, and that's another thing that's kind of important is that if it wasn't for the box situation, the, the first time I was invited to do the boxes, I wouldn't have met Mark Fraunfelder, the you know creator of Boing Boing, and mm-hmm. and and Jason Weisberger, who uh, had a Han show there too, because they approached me afterwards and said, "Hey, number one, we want to do an article on you, but would you mind doing a week of posts, a week or two of posts, whatever you want to write, just write a blurb." And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that. And then as soon as they turned away, I, like my wife, I said, I'm not writing blurbs. I'm going to just, if this is the only time I get to write for Boing Boing, who I love, yeah. I'm going to go, excuse me, balls out. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I, I actually took some time, like a week off of work, and that's all I did. And I said, I want to do 50. You know, I want to I impress them with the first bits. Yeah. And then since then, they've just said, well, whatever you want to write forever, you, know, you can write. So it's great. <laughs> and Derek was one of the ones. So mm-hmm. I went to the show. And uh, I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to do a, a memento situation. I'm just going to tell you that I went with Alex, but we were split up. Mm-hmm. And so I, I missed the show. And then when he, when he got out of it, he said, I can't tell you anything about the show. He said, but when it's time to raise your hand, raise your hand. And that's all. And we drove home. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I was chosen to be that, the, the, the diary guy. Yeah. And man, was that a, a good decision. It was scary because I knew that I'd have to be on stage at some point. It's also scary because I had homework, but it, it let me see the show one and a half times, yeah. obviously, and also sit in the catbird seat at the end, which was built for that person to see special things, I think. I think it was just such a... Wow, I didn't yeah, know I really, I really think it was a... Yeah, it, it, was, it was very special for that reason. But, but after um, I did that, I, I met him afterwards, uh, Derek, mm-hmm. And uh, I gave him my business card, the crazy, you know, metal one. Yeah, yeah. And he did research on me, and then realized, oh, this guy writes for Boing Boing, and then asked me to write the uh, the story for him, and that's why that's why that happened because he reached out, which I think is pretty uh, amazing. I was proud to do that. Of course, I, I would I would do that, you know. But it, what a what a wonderful show for sure. Yeah. It's inspiring, you know. That's an inspiring show, and of course, the Nothing to Hide was was inspiring. Mm. And to tell you the truth. It's partially because of the nothing to hide that this became what it was, I think. Because it was, I actually wanted him to see the show and I wanted to impress him, but there hasn't been time yet to do that. But I think it's going to happen one day. Oh, yeah. we, we keep promising each other that it's, it's going to happen, but, but he's busy, man. He is busy. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's hanging out with Frank Oz and <laughs> Weber and, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, look, what... I, I saw Derek's show in L.A., and I loved it as a piece of magical theater, but I'm, I'm going to put 49 Boxes as the most magical experience I've ever had. Just overall, my definition of magic, that's what it was. Wow. Yeah. That's really, that's really incredible. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Um, one thing I thought was kind of neat. Remember I mentioned that people will gift things to the show? Yeah. Michael Weber, for whatever reason, was flying to San Francisco anyway while we were doing the show, mm-hmm. and he showed up at the show. And he brought gifts, gifts that wound up being in the show that you saw at the uh, Brickledge Theater. Oh wow! They, it became a centerpiece for the for the whole thing. Somehow, because he's he's just walking magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is. That whole, he is. Yeah. That whole show is about the Euclid Candy Company mm-hmm. that was at the Battery, which is where we presented it. There, he had old boxes of chocolate from 
the 1920s and 30s and pins from that very, the very thing that I wrote about with Alex, he had stuff in his house that he was able to present. Who does that? <laughs> he, yeah, he's, he's walking he's, magic. He's real magic. Yeah. yeah. He's, he stayed for a while afterward. He had great show notes and reset notes because that's not an easy show, by the way, to reset. Yeah. It's a goofy show to reset. But I think that we have it down to under an hour now. Wow. Where the first time I did it, it was two days. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> it was two days. But I think we got it down to an hour, which is, which is a feat. Yeah. An absolute feat. Yeah. Can I talk about when it's going to be showing next? Yes, please. Uh, ah, of course. Um, so um, we're going to be doing it uh, at the... It's, it's on Laurel Canyon. It's the Houdini Estate. Okay. Um, and soon it'll be on, uh, on, our, on our website. I'm not sure whether it's, uh, it's live just yet. But, um, and by the way, if anybody would like to email me, um, I'm Michael at 49boxes.com. Um, I, I would, I would love to hear from whoever I would like to talk about this, but it's the 24th and 25th is when the show's going to be. And it's an exclusive thing just to, have you ever been there? No. So the, it's a beautiful place. And just to set foot in there, well, you can't set foot in there unless you've been invited to a crazy event or you bought tickets to a crazy event or... Maybe you're, I don't know, you're getting married, which is a crazy event. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where, we're, that's where we're doing it next. And it's going to be the evenings. And uh, there are a couple other places that uh, are going to be showing it afterwards, but I can't talk about them because it's going to be a surprise yeah. for whoever is running it. And so there it is. Oh, wow. But that's it. But, but, we have, but we're going to be showing it at the Brooklyn Theater in, in October uh, and maybe at the Genie Conference oh, in wow. Florida in October as well. I'm excited <sighs> about that. And that's because that's of Randy Pitchford again. Yeah. Because uh, it wasn't for him that that wouldn't have happened. You know? Yeah. yeah. That, I'm telling you what, Genie, the Genie Bash this year is really shaping up to be a phenomenal kind. Have you seen the, the lineup? Bananas. It's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely bananas. <laughs> and super proud, but super stoked also to tweak it even more to make it... Uh, Make it a better experience, I think. Yeah. Like you said, iterate, iterate, and make it, make it as good as possible. Do you ever feel like a phony? All the time. All the time. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I've infiltrated, I feel like I've infiltrated your world, you know? I don't, I don't feel like I belong in this, in this world for sure. I mean, when I look at the talent like that John Armstrong has with the cards, you know, when I look at what, what, the true magic that Brett does, risking his life and doing amazing things. Yeah, of course I do, because I'm 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 hiding behind props. I'm like the a carrot top, you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, of course. Why do you ask, Elliot? <laughs> I it's a thing that's been coming up a lot is imposter syndrome. Yeah, because uh, I feel like a phony but, all the time. But you you literally you live it. You you live it, and I've seen you do the things that you do. Yeah, but I'm I'm 24, you know. I still feel very young. I feel like I'm not in the position. I'm I'm not old enough or wise enough to be in the position that I'm in and to have the knowledge that I have and to share it and to feel the burden of making a difference. I feel like I'm I I I'm not. It, I'm afraid somebody's gonna go. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm gonna be like, yeah, you're right. I I can't. I, you know. But it's also like I know. I know. Just like you know. You des- you know it, it's fine. You deserve. You've 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 achieved. You've earned. But you still feel for sure, for sure. And you yeah. and you worked at it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You <laughs> you've worked for most of your life at exactly what you want. Yeah, yeah. But but for sure, you yeah. know, 
because uh, you know I'll I know what my job is. I know what's paying the bills. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I wonder. I really wonder what's going to happen with this. I would yeah. love for this to be, you know, bigger than it is. Yeah, I wonder. I, I was going to ask. I, do you think you'll ever tour it, or you know, like my dream? Yeah, the dream. The reason why we're trying to get the reset done, yeah, is to find a theater that will risk having this in it for a month or two. Oh wow! I'm not saying Geffen, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but what what Derek had, where he was able to just reset and leave the 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 set pieces there, yeah, is huge mm-hmm. for me. To, I mean, this is a thousand pounds of stuff, literally, right? Yeah, it'd be better to just reset it for the next day's show. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Whether, whether or not it's me doing it, it would be great if it were just something that could be done the day, until people don't want it in that city. Yeah. And then you go to Chicago mm-hmm. or then you go to San Francisco and you go to New York. That would be ideal. That would be the best thing. I would be so proud uh, if, that, if that happened. That's actually a crazy dream. But it's no crazier than when I first walked into Magic Castle and said, this place is great. My suit's too big. How am I ever going to? I'll never be a, a member here. I love being here. Yeah. So I think it, it maybe it's possible. It's going to take someone like um, a Randy Pitchford to 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 either fund something like that, or to or to or to know somebody with a theater that is willing to do that. Yeah. That, there's my answer. Yeah. You know, it's I don't I don't know if you did do this consciously. I am aware that I'm doing it, but I don't actively do it. It's I set a goal or I have a goal in mind and I don't think about how to get there. But every once in a while, I just check in and I go, am I doing something that's going to get me closer or farther away? And it's just, it's just in the back of my yeah, mind. It's I'm, just like a little... Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But, but there are decisions that we make in our lives. Yeah. And you're either going closer to it or you're, or you're not. Yeah. I think. But, you, but you intuitively know. It's like you set that thing way far away and you just kind of go, yeah, I'll get there. Just like a little little nod to yourself in the back of your head. Of course, yeah. Of course, you're. you're I think. I think you're not just onto something. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah. I think that's it. And uh, and sometimes the world just presents us with the right people. Yeah. And the right opportunities. For sure. For sure. Well, there's a there's a fortune cookie there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Well, I, I feel amazing. There's a couple ending questions. We it's we've only done about an hour and a half, but I feel I feel really good about it. Uh, it was dense and amazing. Awesome. You feel good? I loved it. Yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. There was there was fear coming fear. in. Fear. Yeah. Well, especially the fear of not finding a parking spot. Oh my God! I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's, no, what, what that was the big thing. That's the big thing when I was moving up here. Is people were like, "Where are you moving? I'm moving to K Town." They're like, "Oh God." Parking's awful. It's the worst. I was like, I felt so horrible. Did you really? Yeah, because I was like, oh, is this a live thing? I don't know. Is it? What's he going to be doing? Is he talking right now? Is he? Is he killing time? I don't know what he's doing. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. No, that's all right. No, but there was there was also fear of, of you know, saying the wrong things or not giving you what you need or because like I said, it's never this hasn't been done by me before, so this was great. This is fantastic. Yeah, I'm honored to to be your first. I love it. I love it. All right. Okay. So just the final questions are they're simple, easy. It's like a lightning round. Okay. What's your favorite non-magic book? I say that to the magicians, but just, you know, what's your favorite book? Well, uh, 
I have a a, a Martin Gardner uh, Math and Magic book. Mm-hmm. Now maybe that counts as magic. Yeah. Uh, now that's the greatest. Now there's a Sam Lloyd uh, puzzle book that I have that mm-hmm. is from uh, 1916 maybe. And man, if it wasn't for Mike Caveney, I wouldn't have this because when I did a tour at his place, his Egyptian theater, mm-hmm. uh, I saw that. And immediately when I'm flipping through it, I don't know whether you've seen this. I have not, no. But one day there will be an entire experience done on this one book. And I, I got this in an auction. And it when you look through this, you're going to see things that are contemporary that people have like, like, like it's like Sudoku is in there, but it's from 1916. Wow. Uh, uh, secret languages. Uh, it's Morse code. It's, it's like everything that a puzzle dude wants, everything that a, a, a room escape dude that creates that sort of thing should have and be using it as like a, it's, it's their Bible, this thing. It's beautiful. It's, I, I can't wait to show it to you, but it's, uh, it's called, I think it's called uh, Sam Lloyd's Book of 5,000 Puzzles. And it's insane. And and you can get a paperback and it's kind of cheap. You can get yeah. it on Amazon. And when you see it, you're gonna. It's sure it's thick and everything. And you're like five thousand. I don't know. But as you're going through it, I don't know. In my lifetime, I'm gonna get through all this <laughs> stuff. It's bananas. And the artwork that's in there, it reminds me of your art uh, from your beautiful uh, Johnny Carson magic book mm-hmm. that you just introduced me to. Uh, it's that it's that level. It's just it's incredible. That guy devoted his entire life to puzzles, and because of him, Martin Gardner, I think, was able to do what he did. And because of Martin Gardner, I think I'm able to do what I do. There's my answer. That's amazing. Other than 49 Boxes, what's your favorite project you've worked on? Dark Knight. Dark Knight. The Why So Serious campaign, for yeah. sure. But besides that, it was uh, it was uh, The Vanishing Point that we did for Microsoft. I don't know that. Vista. Now, you might laugh because it was Vista. Yeah. Um, but what was the But it was, it was an incredible campaign uh, that uh, had a challenge to Smarties. To, uh, to solve puzzle suites every week. So again, it was puzzle-based. Puzzle mm-hmm. But the puzzle suites every week involved live shows. So you might go outside and look at uh, jets writing in the sky, five jets doing like almost like dot matrix printing in the sky that gave you clues that helped you online to solve a suite of puzzles. Or you would go to a fireworks show in, in Seattle or see a video of it, and there were puzzle clues that were hidden in the colors, in the locations, in timing, that helped you with the puzzles online that, were, that seemed completely unrelated. There were, there were building projections all around the world from uh, the Brandenburg Gate in Germany to the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame that had clues in them that helped you solve stuff online, where the winner of this won a trip to space. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the ultimate vanishing point. Which was space. Anyway, so there was an awful lot of cool stuff that was going on in this uh, particular thing. That was my favorite for sure because I felt like our wings were... There was no clippings by the, the client. They just let us do anything. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, a web series? It was a YouTube series from, I don't know, five or six years ago called Marble Hornets? No. You should check that out. Right, are you into are you into like creepy stuff? Do you know what the Slender Man is? Are you yes, yes. Okay. So Marble Hornets is a YouTube series based off of the Slender Man mythos. And there's a lot of community puzzle solving stuff that happens 
uh, within within those videos and throughout the okay. tenure of it. It's just uh, love it. Yeah, it might be. Uh, it sounds like it would be up your wheelhouse. I, I got into it uh, years ago because I was introduced to the Slender Man, and it was spoopy and I, Mary. You know, all that stuff. But anyway, it was, it's just cool. I, I like that idea. Uh, and now that sort of spawned all of this other creepypasta-inspired alternate reality uh, interactive YouTube series stuff. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot. There are several series that you don't know if what you're seeing on YouTube is real. It's like this YouTube-based. Uh, I'm not explaining it well. It's like obviously a person can upload something to YouTube, but is the person uploading it a character, and is that the show that you're watching? Yeah. That whole it's regular act in reality for exactly. sure. Yeah. And that that's what we love. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we love. Yeah. And so I think you'd be. We love not worrying about it too. Yeah. Because I mean, if you're watching a movie on Superman, you're not thinking that guy can't fly and it's CG and it's whatever. No, you you get into it. You're yeah. all in, and it makes the experience that much better. So that sounds good. I'll check it out. Mar Marble Hornets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then and this is the first time I've asked this to someone who hasn't like been a magician for a long time. Uh, but uh, even though I do consider you a magician, like a true magician, I don't want to. I don't oh, want you. to sound dismissive can, in that way. Can I tell you an answer I gave to the Magic Castle during my? Uh, yeah, the, please. The audition. It was. If you want to tell me a little more about the audition uh, process, you I, can. That's but, a, I think that's okay. But but the one okay. thing that I I'm, I kind of liked, and it was unrehearsed. It was an unrehearsed thing. But uh, they had asked, well, why why does this matter to you? Because they because they were asking me my history. They're like, well, you. You have this neat job, and you have this show, and you're doing it at the Brooklyn Theater anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, you're. Why do you need this? Uh, and I said, Well, you know, my whole life I've read magic books, and I've done magic for my family and my friends, and but it never. People would ask me, "Are you a magician?" I would always say, "No," because you didn't tell me I was. This group mm -hmm. didn't. This is where it matters, and uh, that is why. And I, I got the awe, and then I was like, "I'm in." <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but it but it wasn't. What is it? But it was genuine. Yeah, yeah, it really, really was it was genuine. But it but it but literally, it's it hasn't been for uh, for more than I don't think a month, month and a half. And when I went home, my wife she took a picture of me before the thing. I was just in my snappy suit or whatever. And after, I was like, well, I I need something that's sort of like a a magic wand or something. Uh -huh. And there was this chopstick. That I'd never seen in my house. That was awesome. It looked just like a magic wand in our cupboard. And I pulled it out, and the cheesy, you know, it was great. It was great. That's my magic wand now. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Well, I'm so you. happy for thank you. you. That's yeah. amazing. That yeah. everything has kind of come full circle. Oh, love it. Love it. Well, so this is the question: What okay. is the hardest time you were ever fooled? The hardest, like time. the the most intense moment of astonishment you ever had. Oh my gosh. Or just a very Intense one. I think it was uh, uh, Jordan Gold when he came to my home and he brought... Because he... Look, oh, here's fun, something funny. People assume that because, oh, Mike designs puzzles for a living or he designs puzzles for the Fortnite boxes. He's good at doing puzzles. So I'm going to present... I'm going to shower Mike with all these puzzles. Was it the Danlock? Yes. <laughs> I fucking love that puzzle. But here's the thing. I'm the worst at solving puzzles. I'm not so good at funny. it. But I... Studied enough of them, you know, where I can make something now. Because yeah. you do something 10,000 hours, you're going to be all right at it, right? Mm -hmm. But that, that Dan Lock is insane. And then when you have Jordan watching you 
I know. his thumb. Jordan is the right? best. He's like the the puzzle spirit guide. Yeah, and and he was guiding through the whole. He would he would take certain things away from me and and give me other things if I didn't need them or if I needed them at the time. But there's still pressure because it's like you're a professional, Mike. <laughs> you do. But I was there for a long, long time. But finally got it. Mm-hmm. That was the moment, though. That it was awesome, but hard at the same time. Yeah. And how inspiring that lock is. There were things going on in there with gravity. Yeah. There's things going on with such subtlety. It's incredible. So, yeah. It's it's so amazing. And reversal. I mean, I'm giving anything away, really, but reversals and holy mackerel. I know. And yet, it's such a great thing, but it could never be a tool in something like what I do. Mm-hmm. Because, well, somebody else designed it, number one. Mm-hmm. But number two, how can you expect anybody to do that? No. <laughs> can you imagine? It's the final lock on the, on the thing. All right, just unlock that, and you're done. You know, three hours later, yeah. you know, they're tearing their hair out. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful, though. It is such yeah. an incredible piece of craftsmanship and just thinking, yeah. I don't know, just... Yeah. Uh, the way that Jordan likes to talk about it, he's like, you can tell, he's like, the smarter you are, the hard, the longer it takes you to solve this puzzle. Because everything that you know about how a lock works, this puzzle's the opposite. Yeah, that is the truth, isn't it? Yeah. It is the opposite. It's amazing. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it is wonderful. That's a good question, I think. What? What you just asked. Oh. Because everybody the- has that story of yeah. that thing that befuddled them but then there was there might even be the thing that befuddled them that when they finally find out they're like why did i not understand you know what that was but that thing i don't know how anybody would yeah feel smart you know the first time (laughs) they look at that thing because it's 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 genius well Mm -hmm. one of the one of the hardest times that i was ever fooled and this is a story i've shared before but i was sitting in the bottom of the magic castle in the next to the wc fields bar and I was watching a magician do a routine that I knew. All I knew how to do all the moves. I can even do most of the moves. And it felt so real. It felt so true. Because his technique was so good? His technique was so flawless that I knew what he was doing when he was doing it. And it still fooled me. Bad. That's the best. Real bad. Yeah. It, Do you remember who that was or not? Yeah, his name is Sway Lee. We we teach those moves now. He teaches those moves now on our site. Uh, but he did this this three coins across, and I'll show you the video of it afterwards. I'd love it's to see totally, it. totally mind blowing. Um, just how, yeah, effortlessly. It's beautiful. I, I, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Well, I love listeners. See it. Go watch the video uh, after you're done with this. But yeah. This is the best. You're the best. You're the most interesting person ever. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thanks so much for listening to Magical Thinking. If you enjoyed the show, head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash magical thinking and become a patron to support the show and get access to exclusive content. Feel free to interact with me on Patreon through the Facebook group, which you can find by searching Magical Thinking, or by emailing podcast at artofmagic.com. Follow us on all the social media channels, and tune in every Thursday for a new episode. I'll see you next Thursday. Cheers.